Here we go. The Earth Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Fox Podcast. With 404. Missing link. Yeah, he's a great man, by the way. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And visit us at vox404.com. Enjoy the show. Well, we're off to a little bit of a late start, and ordinarily, I wouldn't bring it up or mention it or try to embarrass my co-host, but I'm, <laughs> I'm told it's a good story. Okay, so um, here in the UK, uh, well, on, on this Saturday night, I, uh, I was at a club, okay, and I was supporting my friend um, playing out, and halfway through his set... At about 2 a.m., the clocks go back in the UK. Oh, yeah, so that's, happening, that's happening for us this weekend. Right. You see where I'm going with this? Right, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so the clocks go back exactly one hour. And usually we would start the show here at, at our, our time in the UK at 2 p.m. And right now it is, it is 20 past one. So, you know, uh-huh. um, so, so yeah, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I got an hour and then I see your message and I'm like, oh shit, the clock has gone back, but it hasn't yet for you guys. So for like a week, that's so, yeah, that's so crazy. That's, and I had no yeah. idea. I had no idea that it was a week different. Like what, what sort of sense does that make? You're going to get me onto this tear about daylight savings and how oh. atrocious it is. I, know. I it's I mean it's one of my least favorite things about being alive. Not I mean not because yeah. not because the clocks change but because as it is now it starts to get dark about 6 o'clock. Which is I mean I like it when we're midsummer and it's not getting dark until 9 o'clock. Oh me too. It's so amazing. Then November I think it's on November 5th. This year for us, it's going to roll back and start getting dark at five and, and four 30 and I'm still at work. I mean, at, at four 30, pretty much guaranteed. I'm still at work for an hour. So you get up in the morning and it's dark and you're off to work and you get home in the evening and it's dark and you've spent all your daylight hours working for the man, the man, unless you're 404, in which case you work for yourself, but it's still work. Even like, I remember every time, I mean, I've worked a lot of jobs. I was like, I fancied myself a working musician that only worked a job to pay the bills in between gigs. So I worked as little as possible so that I could devote the maximum amount of my time, you know, to my craft, Mm -hmm. which I thought of as like my, it was like my version of higher education. I used to argue with one of my exes all the time because she didn't think that I was appropriately uh, applying myself to my future. And I said, well, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm working at it. You know, becoming a, a successful musician takes time. And that, I mean, oh, that, yeah. that was kind of like my business. Like I was, I was starting my business and I was working toward becoming a working musician. 
And the nine to five grind, that was that wasn't for me. I didn't want to do that. I couldn't, you know. I couldn't see a, a happy future for myself working for the man. And every no, time really, I would really difficult, yeah, every time I would start a new job, I would I would say, oh, th- oh, this is awesome. I like that you know, for two weeks. It was fun. And then it became, uh, it's just another stupid job. And I imagine it's like that even being a business owner. I mean, you're a little bit more invested in the success. And I would guess you probably pull a lot more satisfaction out of your work by sort of working for yourself. I mean, but, but tell me this, at, at a certain point, right? Because it was this way uh, for me with my band. At a certain point, the business, for me, it was the band. For you, it's your business. <laughs> it becomes sort of bigger than you, right? It's, be, it's like its own entity. And then you, you must almost, at, at least at some point, feel like you're working for the business, even though you're technically working for yourself, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, it ends up being to a place where you're, you're working for your clients. And your clients is almost like, you know, the man that you're working for. And then I bet, uh, I mean, not to cut you off, but I bet you also feel a responsibility to your employees as well, right? Absolutely. So yeah, did no you question. do anything fun last night? Was it, wait, was, was it Halloween last night in the UK or was that a week off as well? <laughs> <laughs> no, we have it on the same day. Thank God, you know, like <coughs> it would be in typical UK style that we'd have it on like the 29th or the 30th or something just to, just to be different. But of course we, we have to have it on the same day because on uh, the 5th we have, you know, Guy Fawkes night uh, where the guy fumbled the bag and, and didn't blow up parliament. Remember, but, remember uh, the 5th of November. Yeah, that's, uh, yes. I love that movie. Oh, it's a great movie, Viva Vendetta, yeah, which actually was uh, written by uh, an author that is in our local town. He still lives here nice. and grew up here. Uh, and he wrote um, a few other ones as well, like, uh, what's the other, like, comic superhero one? He worked for, I think he worked for DC, DC Comics, uh, back in the day. So if you're, if you're a comic fan, then Alan Moore is the guy. He's an incredibly strange, uh, and I'll, I'll leave it at strange, actually. <laughs> strange guy. <laughs> no, very diplomatic. You see him around sometimes, and he looks like a homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> like you I do. Mean, that's, I mean, that's, sometimes I feel, uh, I feel self-conscious about my appearance, uh, but after you're married and you have a couple of kids and you've been that way for a while and you're going to Walmart and I think, you know what? I'm just, I'm leaving the sweatpants on (laughs) the Walmart clientele should be happy that I've decided to put on shoes for this point. And if I were a famous musician, it would be even worse. And I was actually, I was thinking about, okay, this is going to be terrible pod. I think, but you know, the meme, right? Where, and this is why it's going to be terrible because I'm about on an audio podcast. I'm about to try to describe this meme and it's the picture of, of it's, it's the three, it's three people, right? And it's the guy walking with his girlfriend down the sidewalk and doing his over the shoulder look at, at the, at the other, you know, quote, hotter girl that just walked by and he's doing like the, Ooh, she's looking good face. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I just thought of this meme yesterday as being like the girlfriend that's being slighted by this guy looking over the shoulder. Okay, the girlfriend is the going to the store. The guy, of course, is me looking over, the, looking over his shoulder at the girl that is having everything delivered to my house. <laughs> do I want to leave the house or do I want to have everything brought to my doorstep? It's a constant. It's weird in this day and age that that is like a struggle to, to decide. And it, and it happens every weekend because, well, it's actually kind of weird. I mean, my typically in relationships, as I've learned just through interaction with, you know, my friends that are also in relationships in a sort of marriage scenario where the man in this example, he's out away all day at work or, you know, doing whatever. And his wife, the homemaker or the other half of that relationship is home caring for the house, caring for the children. So when free time arises, the, the woman in this example wants to go out and about and see the world and get out of the house. Whereas the man in this example wants to stay home, enjoy his home, enjoy his possessions that he's been deprived of all week. And it, it creates a lot of strife in relationships. And this was the same, you know, growing up with me and my parents. I remember my mom. Sorry, mom. I'm, a, I'm exposing you. She used to say, my stepdad. <laughs> Never wanted to go and do anything. I remember. He never wants to go do anything. And I just, you know, when I was 12, I was like, yeah, whatever. He doesn't, he doesn't want to go do, do anything. But now I kind of understand. You want to you stay home. You want to kick your feet up. You want to relax. I mean, not be lazy. Just be around the house. You know, that, that, that piece of property that you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on that you never get to hang out at. Like, yeah, now you got... You got a slim 48 hours to do whatever you want before you have to go back to the salt mines, hang out and enjoy it. However, in my relationship, my wife and I generally, like she wants to go out to like, to be an adult. Cause that, that's another dynamic about being like the housewife is you're stuck at home with five-year-olds. And you, you don't have, I mean, you, you get what she gets like 90 minutes of adult interaction with me when I get home from work and the rest of the time it's dealing with literally a six-year-old and a four-year-old. So she, when, when she gets up the courage to actually go out and about, she just wants to go out with her girlfriends and feel like an adult. Most of the time we're both looking at each other, like who's going to the store? Who's, who, who's making a supply run? I don't want to go. Do you want to go? No, I don't want to go. I'd rather die. Like that's, that's literally like sometimes like on a Saturday, on a Sunday afternoon, both of us are like, no, no, I would, I will cut my finger off before I leave this house. So we DoorDash and we get on the app and, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're basically grocery shop. And I feel so guilty. The whole time. Because it's like, oh, 
we're making some poor bastard go do our grocery shopping for us. How ugly American is that? Do you, are you, I mean, I know you're, you're not like a Londoner. No. Do you have the, the luxury of doorstep delivery for things outside of Amazon and FedEx? Uh, food. Yeah. Yeah. Probably for, for food. We don't do that here. We, we go out. Uh, I think, you know, it's probably something that you could probably save a bunch of money on just gas wise. Cause you could just like set up, I guess a subscription of like eggs and stuff like that. It kind of sounds like a good idea, but no, we, we don't do that. And uh, we don't really get many deliveries of like anything out by us because even though the UK is like a very small place, if you live more than 15 minutes away from something, that's basically like you, you live, you live in the Sahara desert or something like you live in the middle of nowhere. Um, so did you get many so no, trick-or-treaters yeah. coming around last night? None. Absolutely zero, dude. We, you know, our our village, a, a lot like other, you know, villages, and as well because we have an aging population here in the UK, uh, we, we, we don't get anyone uh, coming around here. Uh, there are a few kids on the street. I could probably count them on my hand, you know, compared to like another, you know, when I grew up in a village, it was like, Dude, it was like there were hundreds of us, you know what you know what I mean? Uh so Well last year. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have young kids now. And last year we took them trick-or-treating and it was cold. Like it's it is cold. Like we're far north. So it like we had a snowstorm on the twenty-sixth, I think, or the twenty-fifth. Fortunately, none of it hung around because I was about to sell my house. I can't lose. Last winter was like six months long and I can't handle like that's too much. I moved from Portland, Portland, Oregon, where if you get like you get six inches of snow, maybe once a decade. Not not kidding. Like when when I lived there, the last big snowstorm that that came through was 1996. Wow. And I so that and now I live up here in the Great White North. And I don't really live in Canada, but it's it's close. We had literally six months of winter last last. So last year it snowed at the end of October. And it stayed. And we so when we went trick or treating, it was freezing cold. And my kids were miserable for most of the time. And we went early, like I mean, I don't remember five o'clock in the, in the evening. So it was still light out. There weren't many people. Uh, we visited a couple dozen houses before the kids were like, okay, this sucks. We can't feel our hands. We want to leave. We want to, I mean, and also part of it was we want to go home and eat our candy. <laughs> <laughs> so last night we've met up with, now we've met up with some relatives. And we're going to go all together as a group later in the evening when it's dark. And you know, those horror movies that are themed like around Halloween time, where, whenever there's a scene where there's kids trick or treating. Yeah. And there's hundreds of them and the street yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. thick with little kids running around in their ghost and goblin. That's exactly what it was like last night. It was a nightmare. 
because not only is it, it are the streets choked with people, but I'm trying to drive around in my truck to find my wife and children who are walking around in costumes <laughs> in the dark. And we're, oh, my wife and I, I are texting each other our locations. And I get, into, I get into the map and I look and I zoom in and I look and see where it's, where the pin has dropped. And it's not even close. It's like two blocks off. So she's walking to this pin that I dropped that's not, <laughs> it's not even anywhere remotely. Oh, classic. Fortunately, it was only about 10 or 15 minutes of that before we, we tracked each other down. But then another 10 to 15 minutes of walking from house to house before we're like, oh, okay, this is the worst. <laughs> get, get me out of here. And we, uh, so we returned home at, at some point, uh, 6.30, I think, or 7. It, it only matters because it's in, in, in relation to bedtime. And I was started thinking, what, like, how late should we expect people to come by begging for candy? Which is, <laughs> I guess that's, that's a pretty crude way of putting it. It's a good point, though. And, I, and my dogs, like, that was the concern. They're not, they're pugs. So they're not vicious, but they get real excited. And they, and they bark and they jump up and I had to retreat down to the basement with the dogs because it was just becoming too much. And I, and I was wondering like, what, what's the cutoff? Like there needs to, like we need to establish, I think like seven o'clock or seven thirty is like the cutoff time. Like no more, like, like at that point. If you haven't collected your candy, you need to go down to the shop and, and get a bag of which we didn't even. So my, my wife ordered our candy online. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming because like, I haven't really paid close attention, but I've, I've been hearing that the price of candy this year is, was like off the charts from, from what it was previously. I mean, I'm not keeping up cause I don't do the shopping, but my, my wife ordered our candy online. <laughs> And do you think it showed up in time for the holiday? <laughs> Probably not, right? <laughs> nope. So, so now you've got a shitload of candy around. So, so our candy will arrive today, just oh, in time great. to miss all of my potential to to pass it out. So I don't I don't know what we got, but we only got like two or three. I mean, I I I feel a little bit guilty actually that we are away doing our own trick-or-treating while people are walking by our house, you know, knocking on the door. Probably, I, then I just imagine my dogs are, are outside at the fence barking at them <laughs> because they're coming by <laughs> trying to collect their candy. Yeah. So I thought, oh, well, okay, well, so we should, we should put the bowl out and, you know, just leave it on the porch and say, you know, whatever. Be fair, do the right thing, you know, just, just take one or something like that. But I know I don't do that when I'm handing it out. Like I, I mean, in, in over the course of my life, I've dealt with probably five trick or treaters total. 
But I always tell them, take a handful. Not just, okay, just take one. Only take, I mean, because come on, one little fun-sized Snickers, that's so lame. It's Halloween. Oh, yeah, yeah. Live yeah. it up. You know, I, I try not to eat a lot of sugar. Uh, but what I, what I was getting at is this, this concept of, of doing the right thing and only taking one piece. And, and people always say, oh, yeah, if you, if you leave the bowl out, you'll come, you'll come back not only to no candy, but no bowl. And I thought, ah, eh, come on. I mean, have a little faith in the goodness of, of humanity. And then I saw a video this morning. Okay. Of a nice, and I, I feel like it was fake, to be honest, because the way the camera was positioned, like the camera was positioned perfectly with the bowl right next to this giant pillar that could only have been the front entryway for some, uh, you know, palatial California estate. And what enters the frame immediately upon the beginning of the video? Oh, well, it's an immigrant family. All of the kids. No dad, because, of course, that, will, that has to fit the stereotype. Even yeah, though, who, yeah, who, no are we seeing, who are we seeing coming across the border in, in droves? Oh, it's all working-age males. But in this video, it's just a mom and her 12 children. And, and they, they, run up, they run up like vermin. And just fistfuls, throwing fistfuls in the bags. And here everybody gets a fistful until it's all gone. And the bowl's empty. And I just thought, there, there are too many elements in this video for me to believe that it is authentic. Yeah, okay. One family rolls up. There's like eight of them. And they just all fill there. And wh why, what is, what is, what's the point of this video? To show, oh, that migrants are just greedy scum and they're going to steal all of your stuff. Yeah, it's not enough they take our jobs. Now they want our candy too, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, it's cringe. It's, it's just cringy propaganda, like, you know, like everything. I mean, e Elon Musk went on uh, Joe Rogan recently. And I was, uh, I think they did it, I, well, I mean, Joe Rogan was dressed up as a cheerleader for, for Halloween in this, in this episode, so it, it had to have been recently. I was upset that it didn't, uh, that I didn't realize until, until it was too late, because they talked about some really interesting things. But what I'm mostly concerned about is just the the propaganda effort that permeates everything mm, mm -hmm. to the point where like, we don't even know, we have no idea what's real. And this is one of the things that, that I felt was accomplished with the, all the COVID hysteria. Yeah. Everything came out like everything got started at once. All the stories were different. Nobody agreed on, on anything. And then suddenly the leftist propaganda outlets unified all behind, you know, what we came to know as, as the, you know, the COVID protocol or whatever. And then it started getting disputed. And these doctors rep, you know, reputable healthcare professionals started saying, no, you know, Hey, uh, Ivermectin, 
uh, hydroxychloroquine. Uh, masks don't work. Uh, remdesivir destroys your kidneys. Um, ventilators destroy your lungs and kill you. And oh, by the way, all of these hospitals were incentivized with tens of thousands of dollars to put COVID as the cause of death on death certificates. And this all functioned. I mean, it was a complete tragedy. But it all functioned to ruin our opinion and our our trust in the mainstream media outlets. So now I see a video of Halloween <laughs> Halloween trick or treaters on Twitter, and I think that that's a propaganda video. It's it's all it's propaganda because it doesn't jive with my sensibilities. It's propaganda because. I don't want to believe that a sweet, they weren't even wearing costumes, dude. I, like one or one or two of them were wearing costumes. Right. I just believe that, that people are like, like people fake videos. They fake videos because they want to go viral. Because that's, you know, that that's, that's the American dream now. Yeah. 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 You don't want to be a rock star. You want to be a YouTube influencer. You want to have viral videos. But as it pertains to COVID, there was uh, the inquiry. There was the COVID inquiry in the UK. Oh, yeah. And and the function was what? What was the function of the COVID inquiry? Well, the COVID inquiry was set up really in the wake of the party gate. Uh, stuff where people a lot of so Boris Johnson party gate was Boris Johnson the prime minister and his other you know people Uh, his going to parties and flaunting the or flouting the COVID-19 restrictions yeah it's it's yeah so that kind of kicked off this this uh conversation around okay so this happened what about the rest of the COVID response? Um, and a lot of MPs and the public, even though the public in the UK don't really have a voice, but we'll, we'll get over that bit. They've decided to put together this inquiry to go through what actually happened in the course of COVID, how they were making decisions, what was being done at the time, because there was no transparency. Okay. And, um, you know, I, 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 to some degree, I hate this whole, like, in hindsight type investigation sometimes because, uh, well, you know, things happen in the heat of the moment. But what's quite clear from this inquiry is that they were making decisions and operating government in a way that is so unprofessional and so disgusting uh that it it really does go beyond belief i mean what was disgusting about it okay so um some of the fact that uh first of all the um the cabinet chief of staff okay um had basically extreme contempt for Boris Johnson and Boris Johnson's wife. Uh, Boris Johnson's wife actually 
would uh, give her opinions on certain cabinet issues, which is absolutely outrageous because she is not an elected member and she was not hired as a political aide either. So why they were listening to her, I haven't got a fucking clue. Uh, Dominic Cummings, who was, oh God, uh, Dominic Cummings is someone that worked for Boris Johnson. He worked on the Leave campaign as well. An incredibly knowledgeable person. And he was forced out, uh, after he was found to have been traveling somewhere during COVID and while it was supposed to be a lockdown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He was, he was forced out and he was incredibly salty about that fact. And so now he's come back and he's basically just, just. He's ba- he's basically um th- this is an assassination uh I believe against the Tories and the funny thing about it is is I don't even think he's lying. Uh well, first of all if he does lie, I mean that's a crime. It, you know, it's just like going to court. Um but the shit he's coming out with is just like pure just pure just pure crazy. So he's trying uh, is he trying to get even? Is is that kind of like the you forced me I, out so I'm going to I believe, well, he's been trying to get even for a long time. You know, if you look at his Twitter, he's incredibly scathing of Boris Johnson and their government because of the, you know, because of uh, how they did, you know, obviously he was completely radio silenced when he was in there. So yeah, I do believe, I do believe he has an ax to grind. Um, But saying that, the kind of shit he's saying is completely believable and also no one is refuting this. So... <laughs> like no, no one is saying, "Oh no, Boris didn't say that." So, just some highlight stuff in here. And this is a Guardian article. Um, you know, if we gloss over that, if I just talk about not their opinions, but exactly what has been said, then then that's okay. So, um, Boris Johnson suggested COVID is nature's way of dealing with old people. That is a direct <laughs> quote from Boris Johnson. That's what Dominic Cummings said. Uh, that's. <laughs> There's there's probably better ways to say that. Um, well, yeah, because you know, I I mean I like I thought I well I didn't think that specifically, but it was because my sort of perspective on COVID comes from a place of uh, extreme malevolence, and I really did think at at a certain point, like especially when it came to like Sweden, Sweden's COVID position on COVID when it came to people over seventy was, uh, well, yep, you've tested positive, uh, go home and get your affairs in order. And when, when I heard that, I thought, Jesus, this really is, because uh, in places that have uh, universal health care, you know, or, or, mm-hmm. or free health care, or, or whatever you want, like, like for, uh, for the United States, we would say places that have health care like Canada, um, which, I mean, Canada's health care system, for, for anyone that really knows, is is pretty awful. But in yeah, it, it's bad. And it, and it just gets worse. I mean, it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse because it's not just Boris Johnson, like everyone around Boris Johnson it, it, and the kinds of governments we have today is, is not. Well, like do you we have, have, do you have universal health care in, in yeah, the UK? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So yeah, and it's not, it's not going very well. I'll tell you that much. In those, in those sort of environments, the elderly, are an extreme yeah. drain on oh, that yeah. on that healthcare system, right? Yeah. So huge. I thought, well, hey, what 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 better way to get Western worlds on board with uh, the the scamdemic 
like as the conspiracy theorists like to yeah. call it, than to say, hey, this virus, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you the opportunity for uh, real authoritarian measures. You'll get to, to uh, take a lot of power for yourself. Not only that, it's going to kill off most of your elderly population, which is going to take a lot of pressure off of your healthcare system. Now, did that actually happen? Probably not. I, I think... Uh, actually, it, it, it did to some degree. I know I have firsthand knowledge that a lot of um, old age homes that look after people actually went out of business because of how many of them died. And there was a huge scandal in the United States with that, too, in in uh, New York and New Jersey, where it almost seemed like these responsible parties were deliberately putting infected people into these nursing homes to spread to, you know, further spread the, the disease. And I mean, of course, who's going to be able to prove that they all make excuses and and claim ignorance. Uh, but it really did seem like that was, and and not only, I mean, and, and getting rid of the elderly population, not only does it uh, take a lot of pressure off of the the healthcare system, but it also hurts tremendously not just the loved ones of the people that are losing their, you know, grandma and others, but you lose a lot of perspective. On history, like we were talking about this, um, re- the, the referendum in Australia, and I'm, I'm not trying to switch topics. It's just happening organically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, there, was this, uh, there was a similar referendum on the indigenous. So just because we're there the, uh, in, in October, or I guess earlier this month, <laughs> or last month now, it's the first. Here we yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> they had this, this referendum for the, yes. uh, the voice of the indigenous. Yes. And as I was reading into this, I learned that this, there, there was a similar thing that happened and was successful back in 1967. Well, if you kill off all of your elderly population and the internet is compromised so that you can't find an article before 2020. The number of people that are aware that any sort of event happened prior to uh, 2020 ha- has to rely on the elders that are responsible for passing along this information. And I know that's, that's getting pretty deep into the weeds of conspiracy theories, but we see Maoism unfolding on a, on a grand scale, especially in the United States with the tearing down of statues and, and the erasure of history. This is exactly what uh, Maoist China did uh, you know, during their communist takeover and the, the dynasty of, of Mao Zedong. Is, has, yeah. are, are people attacking the history in, in the UK? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Quite often, you know, there's, there's been, um, statues that have been covered up uh, very similar to what you're seeing in the U S where, you know, older, uh, U S sort of like, uh, I don't want to say heroes, but, uh, figures 
uh, historical figures are being covered up and cut down and moved on or or whatever. And um, I don't really understand it. Like, if you're scared of a statue, like, you have, like, mental issues. You have other issues you need to get sorted out. Well, like, I'm reminded... Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm reminded of the, the saying or the cliché those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Right. And there's all of this screeching about racism and, and, you know, Jim Crow and all of these historical events that are being, you know, wielded against the existing population as sort of like a demoralization effort. And I think, okay, like a giant statue of Robert E. Lee. I mean, are we are we glorifying him? Does Robert E. Lee really need a statue? Uh, I don't. Off the cuff, I don't think so. I'm I'm open to hear arguments, but I, I don't, yeah. There, yeah, there's there's something eerie about it. There's something off putting because there are negative aspects of our history. There are things that we did as a country, as Americans, that we should be embarrassed about, that we should be regretful of. Uh, but I don't think tearing down statues and erasing history and doing this, I mean, it's one of the things that unsettles me about the whole concept is what are we really doing? Like, who are we really affecting? And, and, and who are we benefiting? Like, getting back to the, the propaganda that circulates online. Like, like, people don't realize that the image being created for us of these minority groups that are always discussed, immigrants, Black Americans, African Americans, if you like, trans men and women. What, like, what are, I mean, if you just think about it for a second, what are the images that are being created in the media about these groups? Is it that they're great contributing members to society? Or is it that they're fucking weirdos? That they're criminals. That they're animals. Like, this is the image. I mean, this, it's wake-up call time. This is the image being painted of these groups in the media. It's dressed yeah. up like, oh, feel sorry for these people. Feel sorry for these people. But I, I love the alien analogy, the extraterrestrial analogy. Imagine you're just intercepting these communications from Earth. You don't understand the language. You just have to look at these images. What sort, of, what sort of story are you painting in your own mind about these minority groups based on the images that are being forced upon you every day? Is it that these are just poor, beleaguered nations that are, are victims of racism and white supremacy? No. Not, I mean, not for me. Like, I mean, if, if I separate myself from the narrative, it looks like Trans people are all a bunch of freaks that just want to dress up like girls and shake their private parts for kids 
and that immigrants are are criminals incapable of taking care of themselves. That's why they have they have to come to they have to come to United to the United States to have somebody else take care of them. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's the same thing. Like if, if you look at things like, uh, you know, like like war coverage. When you, yeah, definitely. Whenever you saw anything from the Afghanistan war, it was always, oh, these people living in huts in the middle of nowhere and they have no infrastructure and they have no uh, real concept of trade or anything like that. They're just a bunch of savages. This is the, like, these are the messages. These are like the subliminal messages that people don't oh, yeah, understand. Sure, because- the media reaction to the referendum in which they said, you know, the referendum ended up being no. Like resoundingly, uh, like 70%. And this was one of the things that stood out to yeah. me as, as suspicious with this referendum is because it was, oh, it was, it was going to be such a great thing. But the racist Australians rejected it resoundingly with like a yeah, 69% that's what the, that's what the media no is putting out. Yeah, that's what the media is putting out, that it was like such a massive shame that this didn't get through. But the media is trying to portray this idea that indigenous people in Australia have no human rights or something. Like, they, like they're not valued as people or something. And, that, and that's just dead wrong. Currently in Australia, everyone's, everyone's viewed the same. Uh, you know, an indigenous person is, has the same rights as any other person. And this was going to go one step further. This was going to say, you know, indigenous people should have like an extra thing above everyone else just because they're indigenous right and that's yeah, just I dead s- wrong i saw all of the the like the virtue signals in the yeah, ar- yeah, in the right. article like oh they they die eight years younger and they're like you know three percent lower on the you know below the poverty line and and all of the all of like the trigger words that would make you sympathize with that group. And it just, it just made me immediately suspicious. Like, what are they really trying to go on here? And then I found this, um, Oh God, what was, it was like, uh, recognize a better way or something like that. But it was, it was, I mean, it, that's a effort to give the indigenous people a voice, but not something that went above and beyond the representation of non-Indigenous Australians. And there were even, you know, because there's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there's Indigenous people in Parliament in Australia, correct? Yeah, Parliament is usually just like ours. It's usually a representation of the total population jacinta uh, price that's the name i was looking for she's she's one of the indigenous yeah, of mps and, and she's behind this this recognize a better way campaign that looks to just kind of find i think a, a compromise between the more radical like indigenous voice movement to give the I mean, everybody wants a hand up. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, course, I, right, I don't, yeah. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I don't mean everybody wants a hand up. I mean, everybody wants to be a hand up. They, they want to give people a hand up because 
and then this is one of my my biggest issues with with propaganda in the mainstream media is that it preys on the goodness of people. And this is one of the things about the uh, like the war propaganda that's going on right now, especially as it relates to kids and women that are being affected by the war, if not ended by the war. Is all of this propaganda is is aggregated and then pushed in into the ether to elicit a specific reaction. So we get this Australian referendum that's, oh, it's, we're going to give indigenous people a voice. And it's so yeah. great on its surface. And then it fails by, you know, it loses by a 40-point margin. And I go, hmm, it must not have been that great. Yeah, well, it isn't because basically... It would be like having a minority group that has their own independent uh, body that can make representations to, to parliament. And no other minority group or any group can do that in parliament. In the UK, in Canada, in Australia, you can't do that. You're elected members and that's the those are the only people that, you know, and members that elect other people to select committees, they're the only people that can make representations to parliament. You can't just, you can't just have one group that goes in there and just says, you know, oh, we, we recommend you do this and this, that, and the other. And, you know, basically it's like, it's like lobbying. It's like a little lobby group. You know, what happens to, you know, there's like a lot of Japanese people that live in Australia, right? Should they have their own Japanese voice now? There's a lot of Chinese people that live in Australia. Should they have their own Chinese voice? I mean, it's a fucking never, when you already have a perfect system, which is you just take the majority of the population, okay, and you just canvass them, and then you get members of parliament. And that's right. just the and, way it works. And the indigenous people is only something like 3% of the population in Australia. Yeah, like, what, what the fuck are we talking about here? Okay, I'm sorry, like, the history sucks. But, you know, if, if you wanted to just go back all the fucking way, you could. Okay, I'd have to fucking apologize for some, you know, Scandinavian Roman type person, maybe. Because <laughs> yeah. my great, great fucking granddad killed someone. We need, at some point, we've got to leave this fucking history shit behind. And this is the problem with the internet, because the internet now enshrines everything forever, right? So, you know, people can just keep going back and going, oh, you know, well, they just keep digging shit up. Because, you know, we don't have the old people that die and then the fucking, you know, memory is lost. Everything is, you know, sort of saved in harmony hard drives now and you know this will just be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever you know my great granddad or something was an indigenous person uh because yeah. i looked it up on 23 and me i'm one sixteenth indigenous <laughs> yeah right 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 and now you owe me reparations or something i mean it's just a complete you know it's a, it's it ends up being a fucking grift like we're not talking about you know we genocided fucking uh, aborigines like 10 years ago we're talking about a long time ago the same for canada and the same for america you know we're talking about a long time ago and we have come a great way to be as inclusive as possible. If you look at the Western nations, they are like a fucking rainbow of diversity. Yeah, okay? I don't. I think we we haven't been more inclusive ever. Like we're we're less we're the least racist and the most inclusive that we've ever been. But if you turn ever. on if yeah. you turn on the news, you would you would not you would not believe that. 
I know. And, and that's why when I see these people go on the news and they talk about, you know, how racist everything is and how like, you know, institutional racism, that's the new term that everyone uses now where it's institutionalized racism and all this, this, yeah, this, yeah. this fucking bullshit. And I'm just like, yeah, but compared to what? It's compared all- to what? Com- and they go, and they go, oh, oh, well, Sweden. Oh, oh. Sweden, the place which has 95% fucking white people there, 95%, you know, homogenized uh, race. They don't have any fucking cultural issues because they're all the same person. They're all NPCs. They're all like carbon <laughs> copies of each other. Like you, you want to talk about, oh, you know, what's one of the un- uh, other non-racist places? Let's talk about, uh, I don't know, something like fucking Indonesia. So, okay. Well, yeah, they're all the fucking same. So well, it's yeah, like, that's, that's the interesting part about all of those Asian countries is, is that's the way it is. The, uh, the Asian countries are extremely racist. I mean, so I've heard, oh, I, fuck I, yeah, I, I've, I've not been there, but I mean, China has all basically concentrated all of their Muslim population in, in camps and they ex- exploit them for, uh, for cheap labor. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not talking about like Muslim like Arab Muslims, we're talking about Chinese Muslims, their own Muslims. Yeah. Imagine what they do to other Muslims. So what? And imagine what they do to Africans, bro. I know uh, I used to watch this uh, YouTube channel called Serpensa, and it was a guy, a South African guy that lived in China and did some really good journalism there. Highly recommend the YouTube channel because they drive around on bikes and they record everything. So you get to see China like you've never seen it before. It's fantastic. But he was talking about how they got raided because on his passport, it said African because he's from South Africa. Like it doesn't look, oh. you know, like, a, you know, typical, but they just, they're the most racist country ever. Right. So they just got raided, and, you know, constantly you'd have problems getting around the country on public transport because, you know, his passport said fucking African on it. So. Yeah, what extremely do you, racist place. What do you think is the motivation of this, this referendum? Like, like, why? What do you think was the 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 end goal? If if it wasn't just this innocuous, benevolent, uh, give the indigenous people a voice, which clearly wasn't. So, what what do you think was the motivation? Well, one of the biggest problems in Australia is is political corruption. And um, having like a secondary body, which which um, has, you know, quote unquote, a voice um, allows for more members. And I, honestly, I, I believe that it, it would just be used for straight corruption. You know, it's in a, in a lovely in a lovely world. It'd be used so that, you know, the lovely Aborigines and indigenous people get, uh, you know, a nice voice where they can talk about how, you know, you can't bulldoze my teepee down uh, to make a, a few houses. <laughs> but that's not the that's not the situation. It would be like, you know, it would end up being used for corrupt processes as all political things are done. So, you know, the, the, the less government you have, usually the better, the fucking better it is. This you was know, a um, lot of the the conversation about and I, th- I think I've brought it up on the on the podcast before. A lot of the concern about uh, unfettered immigration is that it's going to go it'll and i i have brought this up but the the whole dynamic of the census and not being allowed to ask on the census if you're a, a legal american citizen means that the federal government is unable to distinguish between legal american citizens and illegal immigrants when it comes to appointing uh, th- the number of congressional seats that a, a state has in the federal government. Yeah. 
So if California imports 5 million immigrants, then holds a census, and none of those immigrants have to say that they're not legal American citizens, well, California then has a case for more representation in Congress because they can right. say, look, yeah. we're, our population has increased by, by 5 million people. Uh, we don't want to talk about why that is. Don't ask any questions. If you ask any questions, you're a racist, but we're going to need a couple more congressmen. And then... Yeah, yeah, of course. And there's, there's, there's a little bit of evidence to my, to my thing around, and you'll like this, which is around the official pamphlet that they put out for the referendum. So there's supposed to be a pamphlet which basically outlines the yes and no uh, arguments so that when you give the pamphlet to the public, then they can make an informed decision, right? And it says here that the government originally attempted to remove the requirement for the official yes-no pamphlet, along with other proposed changes to the referendum process in the Referendum Amendments Bill 2022, which is always interesting that, it, that a government comes in, puts in a referendum, and then decides to make changes right before the referendum that they want to get through. I always think that that's very interesting uh, for obvious reasons that they want to alter the process so that it benefits them. And they were arguing that the physical pamphlet was outdated and that information could instead be distributed online or via television. Now, uh, that is a massive red flag for me because yeah. Australia does have a, a, great, a great deal of corruption in certain areas, as well, especially in television, where, you know, it's the typical sort of Murdoch, Sky News type deal where you know, that the media is kind of owned a little bit. Um, and instead, the, the government proposed funding an education campaign to inform Australians about the referendum and to counter misinformation. So uh, uh, that's that always, word. yeah, how does that work? It's, it sounds like a complete fucking psyop, to be honest. Yeah. It sounds like the government wanted to just own the narrative on what they wanted to get through um, and do some sort of campaign to, to, to just get there. I, I think if this had gone through, they probably would have won um, because basically they could control the conversation, right? However, the pamphlet was ultimately retained in order to secure bipartisan support for the bill. Following this, parliamentarians of both houses who had voted for and against the constitutional constitutional amendment bill drafted for inclusion in the pamphlet 2000 word essays dealing their yes no cases with the text of each essay approved by the majority respectively of the yes and no supporters so it ended up you know this ended up being and that's why parliaments is so good man because someone tries to ra ram some bullshit through and parliament goes no Not so fast yeah they, they go <laughs> they go no they go, no, we're going to do it the normal way, like it's been done for a, a bunch, because, okay, because in, in Australia, the internet sucks. It's not like out here. So, you know, distributing shit online kind of sucks, unless you live in an urban area, which, you know, urban areas tend to vote yes on things like these. For There was some, yeah. wasn't there some controversy about that? I remember, so I, I used to play uh, Smite. You know the game? It's uh, yeah, competitive. It's not like Call of Duty. It's more uh, strategic and, and calculated, but it, it's only online. You team up with four other guys and go. One of the guys I used to play with was uh, from Australia. And he, uh, he mentioned that there was 
some kerfuffle about oh, I'm struggling to remember and I don't I don't even know if you're going to know what I'm talking about but that very thing getting the internet into uh more rural areas similar to what happened with the the FCC and a GPI in the United States where where these these telecom companies were saying we need you to back off on these regulations because Barack Obama had designated these telecom com- companies, these internet providers as public utilities, which sort of forces them to fix their prices and not basically not gouge the consumers for their internet access. Which is one of the good yeah. things, one of the good things that Barack Obama did in, in my opinion. Was, do you, have any recollection of a similar thing happening in Australia because this this friend of mine was telling me that he was supposed to they were supposed to do all of this stuff and that the government had had mandated that these companies take these steps to to bring the internet into more rural areas and they've they basically uh gave they gave a bunch of money to these telecom companies and then these telecom companies just pocketed the cash and made a half-hearted effort and i mean the only reason it came up is because my buddy's internet only worked half the time yeah i don't know specifically about australia i know that that happened in in the uk and it happened in in america too um it happens all the time when you have like existing large telecoms companies it was part of the covid thing that's that's um yeah 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 in the in the united states it was part of the covid so so uh going back however long a jeep high fcc removed these regulations said that the telecom companies don't have to be regulated like utilities because they were saying oh we gotta we got this price fixing we can't invest in our company and and we can't extend into into rural areas and and so a jeep high said all right all right all right fine here you can have this have have these regulations lifted go about your business and then as a huge part of the covid relief bill in america i believe it was i could be wrong i'm just pulling from memory here Billions and billions of dollars to the telecom companies to do what? Bring their services to more rural areas. So the FCC lifted the regulations, allowed the telecom companies to gouge customers. It was mainly businesses, like small business comp- uh, small businesses that needed, uh, you know, high speed connections. And then. The government turns around. I mean, I'm sure the telecom companies just lobbied the government for for more money. But after they get the regulations lifted to allow them to invest more capital into the expansion of their business like they claimed, well, then the government just turns around and gives them billions of our tax dollars to accomplish what they said they were trying to accomplish, but couldn't because of all of these regulations and man it's the telecom companies i mean it's not really the telecom companies but they're like high high on the list of entities that really run the world and it makes me wonder like what yeah, because yeah. have you so we've all done our share of uh uh let's see what's a nice way to put it um 
not pirating. If you weren't a pirate, what it was like the not and not buccaneer. Oh, I'm really blowing it. All right, let's just go with pirating. <laughs> um, I really wish I could think of the word though. But I remember back when I was a really horrible person and a criminal. Do you mean torrenting? Yes. No, I don't mean torrenting. I'm, I was thinking more of like the pri- privateer. Privateer. That's the word uh, I was thinking. Which was basically a pirate that worked for the government. Yes. Um, but I remember I, I downloaded a few movies um, and I was ignorant at the time and I fully regret all of my decisions and I've deleted it and made amends and uh, whatever else I need to say that I did to keep myself out of trouble. That's what I did. And I remember my ISP invading my browser and saying, we think you may have done a naughty thing. If you continue to do naughty things, we're going to shut your internet off. So it makes me wonder what role are these ISPs playing in all of the censorship games? Because I can get on, I can get onto my browser. I use the Brave browser because yep. Google is an evil empire. And I can look for like the history of Halloween, for example, which is what I was looking up this morning because we were going to do some Halloween talk. And I can find an article from the BBC from 2011. But if I try to find just a balanced argument on this referendum in, in Australia, I can't find oh, anything. Luck. I can't find anything before 2020. Unless, unless it's going back to, or uh, 2023 is what I meant to say. But it'll go back far enough to tell me about the previous referendum from 1967. But all I'm really able to find in the way of arguments and pros and cons is the unified leftist agenda that comes out of Reuters and The Guardian and Al Jazeera, which I just recently learned is uh, sponsored by Qatar, the government of of Qatar. And I mean, anything, it's like, so I was reading about that. Um, oh, why can't I think of the name of it now? The, the conflict between uh, Azerbaijan and Armenia. And I was learning, because this is all kind of uh, gone under the radar with the Ukraine-Russia conflict and now the, the Israel-Hamas conflict. Like, Armenia mm-hmm. is like one of the oldest Christian nations. And Azerbaijan is a Muslim nation. So when Russia went to war with Ukraine, Azerbaijan seized the opportunity to do a little ethnic cleansing in Armenia. And it's weird because like, I'm looking at pictures of this map and you can see there's like one road in and out of this territory. And it's like, like this area of Armenia that's that's under conflict. It's like a it's like a flag sticking out of the ground into the into the territory of of Azerbaijan. And I look at it and I just think, what what could possibly have been the the rationale for uh, because Russia mediated the the ceasefire in like 1994 or something like that because 
I think it's I, I, Azerbaijan and Armenia are like right on the Russian border. So Russia like mediated this ceasefire when a tiny little when when this then when one narrow road extends into this Armenian territory now and then balloons into this big circle that's now surrounded it's surrounded by by the the Azerbaijani state <coughs> and it, it's hard to find the uh like a, a fair translation of what's actually happening yeah it's it's difficult because you know it's close to georgia and, and a lot of the news comes from rt news i mean to, just to touch on what we were talking before if you try to go to rt news now in any any western nation it, it won't it won't come up uh i'll just try it now but i'm, I'm pretty sure because it, governments tell isps um well, it's like oh, no, it still it, works for me, and it's like what's happening with uh, with Russell Brand, like all like this, all of this sensational a- accusations came out against Russell Brand that dominated the news cycle for a week or, or two weeks, and now it's gone, and it's like I mean, let's 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 real time, real time Russell Brand. I totally spelled it wrong, but I think my browser is going to figure out. Oh no, I spelled it right. It is two S's and two L's. But it was almost as if this story came out explicitly to justify these governments from banning Russell Brand from all of their platforms. And now the most recent story that I can find is a month old. Oh wait, no, here's something from The Telegraph. Twitter will not stop Russell Brand from making money. And then another story, which is appears to just be, yeah, rehashing, rehashing the same, the same story, trying to keep it in the news. Almost as if these media organizations can completely manipulate public opinion based exclusively on what they choose to report. Isn't that odd? <laughs> Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, it, to be fair, like it's been pretty much radio silence since the since the conflict in Israel and Palestine. Uh, right, it's been so dominated. Like there, there, there's there's broadcasters that I can't listen to right now because it's wall to wall Israel Hamas Israel Hamas endlessly. And and it's, I mean, there's not really anything new to report. I mean, I guess so. Israel did did finally begin its ground invasion there was a lot of uh you know to do made about how america said don't don't do it yet don't do it yet wait 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 we need to get our our defenses in place and that makes a lot of sense i mean we don't want we don't want to be involved we don't want war at all we don't want war in ukraine with russia we don't want war with israel and hamas we don't want war with china and taiwan i mean that's the general like i wonder how much public support there would be for these conflicts if it wasn't for all the intelligence made propaganda that's being pushed like like not just like the propaganda we probably wouldn't even fucking know about them and then and then the the defense contractors that are paying all of our politicians and also sponsoring the same media outlets that report all this stuff yeah 
Like, why can't, I mean, I like, I get it. I get it. When, when Hamas and, and the Arab nations around Israel destroy Israel, they're coming for us next. They're coming for the, the white Protestants and, and the Christians. And that's, I mean, that's what's going on. Like, that's why the, the Azerbaijani Armenian conflict is critical because it, it illustrates that, you know, like, and I, I think one of the leaders of Hamas was just quoted this morning as saying, we will not stop until Israel is wiped off the map. And then in the next breath says, oh, but feel really sorry for us because we're just a poor beleaguered nation that's being oppressed by these colonizers. Oh, but also we're not going to stop until Israel doesn't exist as a state. Uh, okay, who's... And yet somehow uh, there's no... Like, like there's massive support for Hamas. And I don't, did, I don't think it's real. Like you, you, you took a trip into London the other day. Did you see Palestinian flags? Did you see? No, I saw one in Manchester when I was up there, maybe a couple weeks back. And like an actual protest or just some? No, no, someone that was, you know, had a face mask with a Palestinian flag and they were holding a Palestinian flag just walking down the street. I mean, you're allowed to support who you, you want to I mean, support. yeah, like, sure. I, I don't, mean, whatever you can be, you can do, be a crazy terrorist and see if I care. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, Hey, look, if they're wearing a bomb vest, I'll, I'll maybe I'll run the other way. But, right. You know, I'll, uh, you know, it's fine. If people want to support Israel or Palestine, I don't really give a fuck. Just don't drag me into it and don't drag the whole country into it. You know, this is not a, this is not a, a thing for us. Okay, we don't buy fucking food from Israel or Palestine like we do from is like Ukraine. We don't fucking get anything from them. Our trade would be measured probably in the hundreds of thousands of pounds rather than I mean, well, Israel actually we, we do buy a great deal from them to be fair technology wise, but but <laughs> but it's like it, it's 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 not something that's it's not something that if, that that affects Europe. Like like the Ukraine and Russian uh, war affects Europe. Like it, it has affected us. It has affected me personally, you know, in a, in a great way compared to something like, uh, you know, the Palestinian and Israel war. It, it's a completely different scale. It's a massive conflict compared to uh, Hamas, which is just one step above probably something like ISIS or the Taliban. Versus Israel, which is like a baby, you know, USA, uh, with their with their military. It, it, this is not the same. Like Israel is just going to smash the shit out of Palestine, and that's just going to be the end of it. Well, with with all of this stuff going on, and and this was, I mean, part of the reason that I saw fit to bring up the Azerbaijani Armenian conflict, aside from the suggestion of a friend of mine. When will, like, this, this conflict in the Middle East, coupled yeah. with this con- conflict in Ukraine, mm-hmm. added to what, I mean, I'm predicting is going to be a new conflict in, between China and Taiwan uh, within the next couple of years, at least. Oh, that'd be or, fucking crazy. To or do, or maybe. at most. Makes me think, like, look, okay, so, so there, there has to have been some benefit. Like, when... France and Britain returned their empires. Yeah. They carved up the Middle East in such a way. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they, 
and 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 then Russia mediates this ceasefire between. And I mean, and I, I encourage you look up the. Uh, I, I gotta I gotta look it up because I have to I have to be able to be accurate here. It's the Nagorno Karabakh conflict. If you look at it on a map, and you can see it's it's just this little this little balloon of territory that goes into Azerbaijan. I mean, literally, it's like a kite, a little string, one road that allows that allows Azerbaijan or that allows Armenia to move into it, its its territory in, in Azerbaijan. Yeah. Why would Russia mediate? Oh, hey, we're gonna. Okay, stop, stop right here. We're gonna, we're gonna mediate this ceasefire. And oh, by the way, we're gonna leave this little territory of Armenians inside Azerbaijan, completely surrounded by Azerbaijanis, and that's gonna be a peaceful solution. Just like I don't know, we're gonna put, we're gonna put all of these Jews that are historically detested by many. We're gonna put them, and and okay, fine. It, it's their ancestral land historically, you know, biblical times. The Jews have always lived in this area. Okay. Uh, but now you've basically dropped all of these Jews into a war zone and told all of the Muslim Arabs and, and just Muslims in general that all, all of these Jews, they're going to they're gonna live with you now. But you guys better get along. And it's created this, this I mean, it actually goes into uh, biblical prophecy that when there is finally lasting peace in the Middle East, it will be the beginning of, of, you know, the book of revelation, essentially it's, it's Armageddon, the apocalypse, the four horsemen or five horsemen, four horsemen plagues and, and locusts and the antichrist and new Babylon and the beast and the harlot. And it's all like, this is like going to be kicked off according to the Bible and the prophecies within it's all going to be kicked off by the, the, the middle East peace treaty that will actually end all of the war. Now I'm not trying to make a statement about whether or not that's true or I deeply believe I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical on religion and I'm skeptical on the Bible. Unfortunately, sorry, mom. I, I kind of believe it because if if some by some fucking miracle they can make lasting peace in the Middle East, I honestly think that would be so incredible. Maybe some weird shit would happen. You know what I mean? Like the Middle East is like a powder keg of shit that just constantly goes off because it's just you know it that's just the way it's been for thousands of years. So if by some crazy like miracle there's actually some lasting peace there maybe i don't know maybe a giant maybe a new sun will form or may, maybe all the deserts will turn green or some crazy thing man because that just sounds like so uh, what's more believable for, to me is that the book of revelations would appear less believable is lasting peace in the middle east i'll tell you that much <laughs> oh that's like, a great that's a great note to go out on uh, visit vox404.com and uh, subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow me on Twitter at EarthVox and uh, in, you know, engage with me there. Don't forget to share the show. As always, we've like, entered this election season now where the, uh, the, the suppression is happening heavily 
on uh, on all the social media platforms and uh, in in the news media as well. So we're relying on you to share. Uh, I'd like to invite you to join us uh, in our Discord server uh, to join the conversation and uh, give us any feedback. And uh, you can get there by sending us an email at therealearthvox at protonmail.com. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, joining us uh, this week. If you want to go check out the last episode, that was a really good one as well. It's probably one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded. We somehow managed to cover so much content all at once, and uh, it was magical. It was really good comments. Yeah, it was. It was really, really good. So, yeah, I want to thank you personally um, for joining us here on the show this week, and uh, join us next time for even more uh, completely insane content. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon.